do you guys appreciate your pastor, Justin and, and Emily? Um, now, Justin, he and my wife are the only two people that ever referred to me as a treat. So you got that in common with my wife. Um, but I am, uh, only a few of you got that. But um, man, it's, it is an honor to be here. I do remember meeting your pastor, Justin and Emily, when they were just little college students, and now they're serving God. They're incredible leaders. Would you just put your hands together for them just one more time? Um, and yeah, your, fa- your fashion sense was just lacking a little bit, just a little bit, but, um, but you made up for it in other ways. Justin was a college athlete. Some of you might not know this. He played college baseball. He, he's one of those sneaky athletes. You look at him, and I mean, you just, you don't know that he would be as good as he is. I, I, realized, I realized that the compliment I was trying to bring might, might go south there, but um, he did beat me in golf last time we played. So you did kind of age me a little bit ago, just letting them know that I was here 15 years ago. Um, that was my freshman year, actually. I was a freshman sitting back there on that back row in the very first elevation service a long time ago. And uh, now I live in Fayetteville, uh, Northwest Arkansas. I met someone, anyone, anybody from the NWA area? A few of you. We call it God's country now, but we, we love it up there. Um, let me, uh, my, Justin told me that we're in a series on relationships. And uh, so I just want to know who I'm talking to tonight. So I just want, I'm going to do a quick little poll just to figure out where everybody's at in the room. Um, how many of you here tonight, you're, you're single? Single? Ready to mingle, available, awesome. Make sure, stop, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Make sure you can see each other. I'm a little noticed. We got a guy section over here. So, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. I want half of y'all to get up out of here and half you girls. I want y'all just to kind of just do a little chair switch real quick. I didn't tell, just do it. I'm just saying. You're single. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Man, well, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray for a spirit of boldness over the section. Come on. I'm just saying. All right, all right. How many of you, how many of you, you're, you're dating, you're in a relationship, you're, you're going steady with someone, okay, off the market? Um, how many of you, if you're just going to be totally honest in church tonight, you would say, I don't really know how to answer that question. Like, I just, I'm like in between some, some, some awkward in between of those two things. A few of you. Uh, it's complicated is what we call it. Those are the people that need to talk or whatever. So um, what was special to me about getting a beer tonight, talking about this subject is elevation happened to be the place where I met Megan, my wife, and now three-time baby mama. Um, I think I have a picture of my family. That's right, three times. But we're done, we're three and out. And uh, that's my wife, Megan, and my oldest son in the middle, his name is Maddox. Uh, he's got red hair, and so does my youngest daughter, Ray. She's got red hair. We took a DNA test, I promise they're mine. Um, if you look closely, you can see, and then Zion, the middle child, he, he's amazing. And, um, but yeah, I met Megan at Elevation. And uh, so a reason I'm just letting you know that is we were Elevation. We didn't know each other. So that means there's a good chance that you could be married to someone in this room. Some of you are like, yeah, get it, Pastor. That's why I'm here. Uh, So I met Megan here. And Megan, she was working the coffee. And uh, coffee is a good place, guys, to look for a girl. Because if if you're serving coffee, it communicates, hey, I'm a servant, but I don't need to be seen. You know, Uh, but I saw her. 
And I asked her out and we started dating and 11 months later we were married. And uh, that's right. Didn't waste time. And, uh, and now we've been married. We've been married about 11 years ish, 11 years and some change. And, um, and I'm really glad that I met, this is a good place to meet someone. And, uh, and we, we met and we, uh, man, she's amazing. My wife, my wife is amazing. But, uh, when I look back on my life before I met Megan, like my other college seasons and college years that I, that led up until that moment when I met Megan, um, there were just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things I did wrong when I was coming to Elevation. There, there were some nights where I remember leaving early and leaving and going and do the opposite of what I'm about to talk to you guys about tonight. Because it's, it's complicated. I remember there was a girl one time in Elevation. She, uh, she was telling me, hey, Pastor, Elevation's like the best place to meet people. And I was like, so you're not here to listen to my anointed teaching? And she was like, no, I mean, me and my friends, <laughs> she was like, we, we come here and we, we, me and my friends, we like to call, we call Elevation the buffet of potential husbands, all you can eat. And uh, you remember, when, it wasn't this Emily, by the way. It wasn't this Emily, it was a different Emily. Uh, funny, fun fact is that Emily is at our campus up now in Fayetteville and she actually met her husband there. And... Uh, and I married them, and now they're about to have their first baby. But uh, anyways, we, uh, I, I realized that, that for some of you, when we talk about the subject of dating, and we're going to joke, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to try to be lighthearted, but I know this is not an easy subject for you. This is not a simple subject, because when it comes to the area of dating, some of you, you've walked through some hard stuff. There has been some damage that's been done in, in your life through this, this topic, because of the confusion, because of the hurt. Maybe you've gotten into a place in the past where you have said things that, to, to people that you wish you never said. Or maybe you've heard things that you wish had never been told to you before. And, and dating in, in this subject can cause so much drama and so much pain and so much heartache. And, it, and what's difficult about it is the Bible doesn't actually talk about dating a whole lot. Actually, there's nowhere you're actually gonna see scripture specifically about the subject of dating. So it makes it even harder. So, so here you are, you're in God's house, and most of you, I, I'm gonna make an assumption that you're, you're in a place where you're trying to figure out how can I date God's way? How can I honor God in this area of my life? How can I possibly end up in a place where I find my baby mama or, ba or baby daddy, and we do it in God's way, and, and then we live happily ever after. I, I know that's, that's your heart, and, but I know it's hard because it's confusing. When do I ask a girl out? How do I ask him out? Uh, I remember when, before I had the courage to ask Megan out, Megan was the first girl I'd ever dated that I tried to do it God's way. And I was so insecure. I was more confident doing it the way that I had known before. So like, I remember this was back before y'all could do all the things you could do now. Like we couldn't just like DM anybody. We couldn't, well, I had to do my, my move before I had the courage to ask her out that first time by the coffee bar. We, I did a Facebook poke. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been Facebook book? Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it worked. Uh, you know, maybe they should bring it back for some of y'all, but uh, it, it, it happened, you know. Uh, you might think less of Megan now, but uh, we, uh, but it's confusing. How do I do it? And then if you're married, it's like, all right, well, how long do we get to date? How long should we date? When do I need to buy a ring? How, how big does that ring need to be? 
girls are like just big. It just needs to be big, you know? It's just there's so much confusion and, 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 and drama that it can feel so intimidating. So, so tonight, I'm just gonna share some, some experience, some, some failures, some things that I have seen happen in college students' lives over the years. And now that I'm like pastoring like older people, people that are married and, and people that get divorced, and people that are trying to figure out how to do things God's way now, uh, I think so much about the decisions that myself, people like your pastor, Justin Emily, made as college students to try to honor God with their life. So if you have your Bibles, anybody bring a Bible tonight? For you guys, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm just gonna share two verses to start this off. Paul, he's, in church, he's encouraging the church in Rome here. And uh, in, in the previous chapter, he's talking about how, how good God has been to them, how, how much grace God has given them, how much he's forgiven them from, how good his mercy is. So he starts this chapter off with the word, therefore. And he says, therefore, I urge you, um, brothers and sisters, I'm gonna stop there real quick. He uses the term brothers and sisters, which means in this room, you got some brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. You are children of God. And I think it's important for you to understand that, that when it comes to dating and, and, and navigating the confusion of this season, every person that God has not prepared to be your spouse is your brother and is your sister. So Paul's talking about, he says, brothers and sisters. He's not talking about dating specifically, but what we have to do with, with, with this and in our attempt to try to figure out what God's heart is for our dating season is we have to look at the text. We have to look at what God's word says, his ways, his precepts, his principles, and figure out how can we apply this to the way that we go about dating. You with me? So he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I think it's important for you to understand that too. When you look at dating relationships, you have to look at it with an understanding of God's mercy for your life, his grace, his forgiveness. There may be some of you in this room that as I talk about this and I talk about what it might look like for you to have God's best in your life, in your relationships, there's some of you that you might not feel deserving of it. You may not feel worthy of it. You may feel like, well, that's, that's, that's good for people that may be pastors one day. That may be good for people that grew up in church. But if he knew my story, if you understand where I've came from, it, it may be hard for me to believe that God has something like that for me. So we have to understand that we have to see this in view of God's mercy. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's not just the songs we sing, it's, it's our surrender. It's a God, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna give you my body. I'm gonna give you my future. I'm gonna give you my fears. I'm gonna give you my insecurities. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay that at your feet as a sacrifice. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There is a pattern in this world for relationships. I'm not trying to create this us and them language, but there is a pattern. The pattern shows statistically that Half of every marriage ends in divorce. That is a pattern. There is data that shows this is the pattern of this world. This is how it goes. There is a pattern that you see on TV for relationships. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve of God's, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you want the perfect will of God for your future? 
You want the perfect will of God for your spouse, the perfect will of God for your family. He, he talks about the way that we get that, the way that we get there, it, it, isn't, it doesn't happen through our striving. It doesn't happen through uh, us doing everything right. He talks about a transformation that happens in our heart when we are willing to change the way that we think about our future, about what God has for us in relationships. Um, there was a moment I remember when I was in college and I had to make a decision. Like, am I gonna do what I've always done? Am I gonna date the way that I've always dated? Am I gonna interact with girls the way I've always interacted with girls? I, I'll be honest, I was the Christian who was, was, was I had a, a radical change when I was a senior in high school where I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I didn't grow up around any godly influence. So there's just a lot of, I didn't have God, I didn't have Christian parents. So I just, I had a lot of freedoms and I made a lot of mistakes that I, I'm not gonna allow. I'm not gonna give freedoms for my, my kids as they get older, I'll put it that way. But, but when I became a Christian, I made a decision, well, um, all right, I'm gonna try to do things God's way now. But, but I, I think I settled for a standard of, well, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do those things, but I'm still gonna be careless. I was, I was the Christian flirt. You know what I'm saying? It's that guy that maybe won't sleep around, won't do certain things with girls, but maybe talking and texting and hanging out with several girls. Not because I had intentions, not because I wanted to serve them, not because I, was, I, had, I, had, I knew what I was doing, it was because I was lonely and I was insecure and I was, I was just wanting that attention. I, I know what that's like. Um, so I remember I had to make a decision. Am I gonna, when am I gonna grow up? When am I gonna decide I wanna get serious about my future? And my mind started to change. And I heard an analogy that I'm gonna share with you real quick. And uh, Pastor Rick shared it. And he talked about how all of us in life are on this journey. Um, similar to what Paul talks about when he talks about how our life, uh, our journey with God is kind of like a race, not like a sprint. I know I don't, I don't look like I know a lot about running because I don't, I, I don't understand runners, but he described, he describes how he, he, we're in this race. And, and when you're in a race and you're a runner, you run to win the prize and you don't want to get disqualified. So you're on this race, but it's more like a marathon that takes a, a long time. Um, and while we're all on this journey, the, the, the end, the, the finish line of that race, it's not marriage. It's not a certain amount of kids. It's not um, a certain job or a certain house. It's not happily ever after. The end of the race, the finish line is Christ. It's where we get to a place where we get to experience uh, Jesus for eternity a fulfillment and joy and happiness that nothing on this earth could ever bring us. So Paul's saying we're on this race and I fix my eyes on the finish line so I, I actually get the real prize. And, and so, so many times I think when it comes to relationships, we make the mistake of making marriage the prize. So we're, 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 we're aiming in the wrong direction. We're, we're, we're almost not even pacing ourselves because we're not looking at the right finish line. But in reality, the finish line is, is, is Christ where we have no alone, no loneliness, no depression, no despair. Every, every weakness of ours is met in, in the fullness of joy with him in, in eternity. But while we're on this journey, and we're going at whatever pace you're on, I love that this has always been a place, elevation, where you can be here and you could have been walking with God your whole life, or you could have just decided a couple days ago that you're ready to serve God, and this is a place for you. This is a place you can belong. This is a place that you can, you, can, you can grow and you can ask questions and you can wrestle with those things. But when you're on this journey, there's, there's gonna be people that are maybe ahead of you in the journey, not because they're better than you, not even because they're more spiritual than you. They're just, they're just a different place. And then there's gonna be people that are, are behind you in the journey 
Maybe they are just now deciding they want to start running that race. And what happens in, in dating, sometimes we're tempted to try to chase after that, that person that's ahead of us where we find ourselves striving to be something we're not and trying to impress people and we're not being ourselves. We're, we're striving, maybe even trying to run at a pace that isn't sustainable for our life. And then there's people that are behind us where we could feel the temptation to, to maybe even stop for that person. Stop what God is asking us to do, what he's calling us to do, what he's, what he's put in our hearts to do because we get distracted by that person that's back there. So we wanna stop maybe even compromise some of our current convictions so they can catch up, and that hurts us too. We, we lose sight of the race. We're, but, but what Pastor Rick encouraged us to do, he said, he said, hey, guys, you just need to, every now and then, you, you run that race. The prize is, all, is always Christ, and every now and then while you are all on this journey towards God, you just stop for, in a second, and you look around and see who's running near you, who's around you who is running the same race, who is going in the same direction. And then when you're in that place, it's, it's almost God's way of providing for you what you need and when you need it. And that's, that's a good way to look, about, look at when, when you start dating. So what I wanna do is in this idea of a journey that we're on, I'm just gonna show you five, just five tips, five pieces of advice that I feel like helped me a lot as a college student stumbling through relationships. These are things that I have, We've, we've shared and we've talked to people over the years, not because we feel like we're so smart or because my wife is a counselor or whatever. It's, it's really just because these are, are, are ideas and principles that we have found that work in people's life. So, so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take this for what it is. I'm gonna share scripture and I'm gonna try to figure out how the scripture might influence our dating life. But what I'm sharing with you is not gospel, but but if you're in a place where you are seeking to try to figure out how to go about your relationships in the wisest way possible, I believe some of this stuff can help you. So you ready? All right, here we go. The first one, if you're taking notes, is know your destination. Know your destination. I know I mentioned a second ago that dating is one of those topics that's not referenced very often in the Bible which means the institution of dating did not exist in, that, in those times. I believe that there, the reason dating is not referenced in the Bible is because dating was never a destination that God had for his people. And I know there's some of you that you really want to date, like you really want to be in a relationship. And, and that's great, and, 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 and it's important for you to understand that dating is never your destination. It's only a vehicle to get you to your true destination, and that's marriage. It's marriage. It's a God-ordained covenant that he has designed for you that's based on commitment, that's based on sacrifice, that's not based on feelings, but a decision that you're gonna make one day if God has this for you, if you don't have what Paul called the gift of singleness. Some of you didn't come back, didn't wanna come back after last week. You're like, I just don't want that gift, you know? Um, but dating, it's, it's not a destination. It's only a vehicle. And I think so many times where we, we get that mixed up, we find ourselves in uh, maybe a relationship that, that lasts too long, that never really has any direction, that's never really going anywhere, that never actually had the destination of marriage to begin with. So it creates frustration and pain and hurt. Uh, my wife, she is so gifted. I mentioned she's a counselor. Um, she's a great mom. 
she's an awesome leader in our church, but one area that the Lord just did not help her out with is the area of just navigation. She is just severely directionally challenged. Like, um, like we'll be going somewhere and she'll, she'll literally turn the opposite direction that we're supposed to with full confidence and just keep going until I say something. Uh, and I'll be like, Megan, you realize that we're going south and we're supposed to go to Rogers, we're trying to go north and you just went south. She's like, uh, she'll be like, I know what I'm doing. She's like, and then she, she'll always, at some point she'll say something like, I know we'll get there eventually. I know we'll get there eventually. Like, I, like that's just supposed to make it all better. You know, I'm like the anal OCD one and I always want to be on time. But I think there's some, some of us, we have that approach in relationships where we're dating. We don't really know where we're going, but we have this mindset that we'll just, we'll just eventually arrive at happily ever after. We'll eventually arrive at commitment. We'll eventually arrive at a place where, where we're really together and we're in this for the long haul. Um, but it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, uh, and, and I know that this could seem challenging. And I know for, for some of you guys, you haven't had the greatest examples of, of how to do this. I know I didn't. So it made it so difficult because I didn't really know what to do. Um, but some of you guys, you need to know that it is your responsibility in God's design to define a relationship, to make the decision to be in a relationship with someone. I know this might sound simple, but I looked up the definition of relationship in the dictionary, and in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it defines relationships this way. It says, a relationship is the state or status of being connected. It's defined. It's a defined relationship. So, so girls, in this room, you need to hear me right now. If a guy does not define the relationship for you, all you have are relations. All you have are just relations. That's all you got. And I just want you to understand that um, so you know. So you're not left to try to connect the dots. That's the truth. Until a guy defines a relationship, you just have relations. And, uh, and so many guys, they, they may not be defining the relationship because they don't want to, but maybe some of it could be because you just don't know how. So here's some tips. This is just some tips, and this isn't just for guys, but how to define a relationship. Back in my day, we call it a DTR. It was a very important talk. It never happened over text. It, never, it didn't happen because you went Facebook official. It happened because you sat down and you looked each other in the eyes and you talked about your feelings <laughs> and about what was going on. Um, but I would just encourage you when, when you, when you get to that place, when you're trying to define a relationship, you have to be confident like confident that you actually both want this? Like you're, you're, you're sure that you want, to, you want to pursue something committed with someone, something more with someone, you're, you're sure about it. You're not like, I just, I think that you're my best available option at the moment, so we're gonna hang out more than the other people. That's not confidence. That's just like process of elimination. That's multiple choice. I'm saying that's like bad test taking, you know what I'm saying? So if, if it don't work on a test, why you wanna try to use it for your future? Uh, so you have to be confident. Hey, I thought about this. I thought about you. I thought about your personality. I thought about how that lines up with things I've wanted for myself. I thought about myself. I thought about my readiness and, and, I'm, and in confidence, I wanna pursue the next step with you. You gotta be clear. You gotta be clear. Clear what it's supposed to look like. Clear what your intentions are. So like I said, Megan was the first relationship that I was serious about trying to do God's way, and I was so afraid of messing it up. I went to her dad. This was before our first date. 
Y'all gonna think I'm crazy. He is actually, their family helped start this church. Um, Todd and Mimi Gromley, some of you might know them. Todd Gromley is my, my wife's dad. He's a doctor in this community. He's her brother, the family, his brother's on the worship team. But I went to Todd and I was like, Dr. Todd, uh, I, I want to date your daughter. And I know y'all are close and I just want you to know that I'm gonna ask her out. And we had Stobies and it was awkward. And, but, but it gave me some cred, I'll tell you that. I had, no, I had never done this before. I wasn't like sure I wanted to like, I had never been on a date with her. She could have said no to the date, and that would have been very awkward. She'd be like, you freako, you went out, took breakfast with my dad? And I would have just played it off like I was trying to get some mentoring or something. But I, I was just, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be clear about what I was doing. And then the last one is you, you want to be communicative. Like you want to be communicative. Like what, how are you feeling throughout the process? Like, and this is hard, guys, because you have to think and like reflect and be introspective. But I think... So many people, you're, you're, you're in relationships and you just don't know where each other are at. So you can just be like, hey, girl, or hey, guy, how do you feel like this is going? Uh, how do you feel like this is progressing? Do you still like me? Do you like me more? Do you like me less? Uh, communicate. And I'll tell you this, and this is like, well, it's hard. Like, how do you do it? Like, maybe, and you wanna, maybe you wanna write a note or like, but I'll say this, if you can't figure out how to communicate in this season, Marriage is going to be a whole lot harder for you because you can't just like go back to your apartments. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just be like, I need a day. No, you got to go to bed. You got to go back to your bed and you don't get a day. You get, an, you maybe get 10 minutes and then you got to figure out what the heck's going on in your head and how to communicate about it. Know your destination. The second tip, ask for directions. Ask for directions. Uh, Gosh, this is uh, so simple yet so uncommon for, and, and the reason I'm, I'm saying this is because a lot of you, you need to know that nobody expects you to have this mastered. Like nobody expects you to know exactly how to date, when to date, how to do it in a way that honors God. So there should not be any sort of, of pride or insecurity with the fact that you need help in this area. I have been married 11 years and I still need help in some areas and when it comes to relationships. I'm still asking advice for how to be a good husband. I would just encourage you in this season to, to start to be, just to be people that are always asking for direction. How, how do I do this? How do I, how do I handle this? In Proverbs 15, 22, it says, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they what? They succeed. Y'all want the relationship with someone that's going to be your spouse to succeed. Um, some don't succeed because they're not supposed to. Like, how many of you, like, thank God that that relationship, like, didn't work? Like, some breakups are, like, like manna from heaven. Like, they're just so glad that it happened. Um, but some of them, I, I think, fail just because we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And... And we're not necessarily supposed to, but we never ask for help. So what I would encourage you to do, this is for everybody in this room, everybody, even if you feel like you ha you've read like enough blogs and you, you have a mentor or whatever, everybody, if you haven't done this, I would encourage you to find somebody that you respect that has a relationship similar to, if you were to try to figure out the kind of relationship that you wanna have, Try to find somebody that has something like that and, and approach them and, and ask them for help. Ask them for direction when it comes to your dating life. This could seem controlling. 
this could seem restrictive. This could seem old fashioned, but I'm just encouraging you, if you want help, this is something that could change your entire life. If you find someone that, and, and this, is, this is the problem, is that something's gonna influence you. You're gonna be steered and you're gonna be directed when it comes to relationships by something. It could be social media. It could be The Bachelor. Please, I hope not. It could be The Bachelorette. If you guys are watching The Bachelorette, you got more problems than I thought. Um, whatever it is, you are gonna be steered by some voice in your life. But right now, if you're proactive, you can choose which voice it's gonna be that steers your relationship life. And if it is, and I would encourage you, this is what you do. If, if, it'd be like if dating were a vehicle, you would find this person and say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna give you the cars, the keys to, to my car, my dating life, because sometimes uh, I, get, I get to elevation, there's a lot of pretty girls, and I, I just have a, a couple too many drinks, and the, the, the music's going, and I just, I don't know what to do with myself. So I'm giving you the keys so I don't make a decision that I'm gonna regret one day. And so, some specific questions to ask, some, some areas that you can get some counsel on, um, one is get counsel on the who. Get counsel on the who. That can be so hard. Like, how do I know this person? Like, they seem like they, they're, got, they're, they're a good idea. They're, they're at elevation every week, you know, and they, they even raise their hands during worship. Uh, they got a scripture in their bio. Um, they went on that mission trip that one time and they held that little Haitian kid, you know, like. God, could this be you? Could this be God? Uh, you don't know what people are really like. You don't know who they really are. Um, so I would encourage you to go full on stalker mode to try to get as much information as you can before you give someone some of your heart. I'm not saying like, like that Netflix show. I'm not saying like, <laughs> I'm about to out myself. I'm about to out myself. Uh, but I'm just saying, ask around. Is this person, is this a personality? Is this person someone I should consider dating? I think sometimes the reason we don't like to ask help for the who is because we don't want to know the answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really want to ask for directions because I know what the directions are and I know what the wise thing to do and I don't know if I really want to hear that right now because I just think he's cute and I want to play dumb. Um, I feel like I'm picking on you girls and I'm not trying to pick on you girls. I'm really not. It, it goes both ways. Uh, ask direction on the who. Is this someone, this makes sense for me. Is this someone that fits my personality? Is this the right person? Get counsel on the when. Is this a good time? You know? You may have just got out of a five-year relationship, you know, and you were engaged, and then you got the ring back, and then you're like, next week, oh, you must have broken off this engagement so I could meet this person, you know? Like, it, it just may not be the right time, you know? So I think a good idea is just to get, get counsel on the when. It's the right time. I used to tell guys, and Justin, you remember this, whenever a guy would come to me and tell me about a girl he liked, I would say, come back to me in a month. I would say, come back to me in a month. Not that I, I had all this control, but I was like, hey, just, just, just take a deep breath and just wait four weeks and pray before you take that girl anywhere. And most, more often than not, 90% of the time, within that four-week period, he likes someone else. So all those girls that I saved from heartache or whatever need to write me a letter of thanks. Like, 
What I'm saying is our hearts can be terrible leaders sometimes. And we can be driven by the wrong things. So sometimes, and, and you know, and I'll be honest with you, there were, there were people that I was attracted to that I thought about pursuing within just months of, of dating Megan. Seriously about it. So I, that's what I'm saying. You need to get counsel on the when so you don't just react when you want, when you feel it. You with me? And to get counsel on the how. Get counsel on the how. Like if I'm going to date, if I'm going to make these decisions, I'm gonna give you permission to speak freely into the way I'm going about it. If you see something in me that doesn't seem wise, would you tell me? If you, if, you, if you notice something that's awkward, that's off, would you tell me? Would you speak into the how? Because we need counsel. Um, I needed counsel and coaching when I was a college student around elevation, just scoping and hoping. But I still need coaching today as a dad with a minivan, married 11 years. I still need coaching. This is a, a, a habit. This is a mindset that you can, if you accept this now, it's going to help you so much more down the road. You with me? Um, number three, control your speed. Control your speed. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, when uh, we all know those friends who uh, they meet someone and then as soon as they start dating, it's on. It's like what we call in Fayetteville, uh, hammer down, you know, woo pig suey. It's full speed ahead, uh, hammer down, and then, you know, all of a sudden they don't, they don't, you don't see them anymore, and they're hanging out with this person all the time, and next thing you know, they're on Instagram, and they're posting, you know, I'm dating my best friend, you know, and you're like, hold on, I thought I was your best friend. How are you dating your best friend? I thought I was your best friend. Like last week I was your best friend, but now this is your best friend. That ain't messed up. And then they buy a dog together. Poor dog. Whatever happens to the dog, you know what I'm saying? What about the dog? And it's just full speed, full speed ahead. That happens, you know. And um, and I think, I know. I also said I was the guy that was married 11 months after starting dating. So you're like, are you hypocrite? What about you? Uh, I'm not here to tell you how fast is too fast. I think the better question when you're trying to evaluate the pace at which a relationship is progressing, a better question is to ask, what is driving the speed? A better question to ask in the progression of your relationship is what is driving the speed? Is it loneliness? Is it lust? Is it insecurity? And Ultimately, what you want it to be is love, like sacrificial, God-ordained love. And I remember thinking, like, well, and some of the pressure with this is, what if I, what if I wait around too long? What if they lose interest? What if, what, if, uh, what if they forget about me? What if I don't move fast enough? And I just want you to know that God, he's so good. God never punishes his children for their obedience, he never punishes people for waiting on him, for being surrendered to him, for holding their life and their things and their decisions with an open hand and saying, God, I don't want to move until you tell me to go. I don't want to walk ahead of your spirit. I want to be right behind your spirit. I want to follow you, not my feelings, not my, not my emotions, not what I want when I want. I want to follow you. Like that song we were singing, I just surrender to you. Lead me, everything, surrender. Like God doesn't, God's not going to punish that. He's not gonna withhold from you because you've, you revered him, because you honored him. 
control our speed. So, so Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. These are some areas that I would just encourage you, some practical things to, to, to be slow with when it comes to your pace. One would be, be slow with your time. Be slow with giving this person all of your time. And I know it's like important to be around that person, get to know each other and spend quality time, but you also have friends and family and like grades you gotta do, you know, and like intramural sports, like really important things, you know. Uh, I was just reminiscing with Justin and Amir today about how much I miss intramural sports, but uh, I think I still got it. Um, <laughs> totally don't. But uh, be slow to give this person all of your time because you're never gonna get this time back. Like I got three kids and like I have to be very selective about my hobbies now. I get like a four hour window once a week on a Monday when I'm not in the church and I'm like, that's my time for me. You, you just, you're not always gonna have this time. So be slow to give away all your time and forget your friends and all the other things going on in this relationship. Be slow with your words. Be slow with your words. Be slow to say, I love you. Even if you know it. Sometimes we'll throw the words around, not because we're just wanting to be a blessing, but because we want the reaction that it gives us. Do you know what I'm saying? What I mean by that is some guys will use the term I love you, not because they, they're thinking about their wedding day, they're thinking about their wedding night. Um, they're not thinking about I love you and I can't wait to change diapers while you're with a pump trying to breastfeed. You know, they're, they're not thinking that. They're just thinking about something else. Um, but for women, that term, it, 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 it strikes a chord. All the Disney movies. You know, I got a little girl now, so we watch a lot of Disney Plus in the home. You know, and uh, I think it's so cool. They even got some Marvel movies on there. But uh, they're thinking about the songs they sang as a kid. They're thinking about the the house they want to have, the life they want to create. So those words that carry away, be, care, be, be slow to say, be slow to talk about marriage. Like if you don't got enough for a, for a ring, you don't need, you just don't need to talk about it. What's it going to do? But make you feel more pressure to make more money faster, you know? Uh, just be slow to talk about marriage. Doesn't mean that you don't you can't be you can't have intentions. It doesn't mean that you can't be assertive, but it but it also means that you don't you don't want to say things because you're gonna because like I said before, like Paul was saying about we're brothers and sisters. You can say things that might be someone that's not your spouse, but then there's someone else's spouse, there's someone else's sister, there's someone else's brother, there's someone else's daughter, there's someone else's son. So that's why we got to be slow with our words. The fourth tip, am I running out of time, Justin? Am I good? Fourth tip is stay between the lines. Stay between the lines. If you turn, if you have Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. I'm actually going to read this out of the message version because it's, it's just different. It's a little easier to understand. Um, but, but this is Paul, and he, is, he, he spent a lot of time in his ministry do a ministry in a, in a town in a, in a region called Corinth, and, and Corinth uh, was roughly in, in an area that had about a hundred thousand people. So uh, it, it was a major city. It, it was a city of industry and trade. Um, 
there was a, a lot of people that would, would go there to do business. Uh, it, was, it was like an epicenter for young, ambitious people, uh, people that were eager to do to, to business. But there was also, it was a very highly sexualized culture. Um, in fact, they, they worshiped the god Aphrodite, which is the sex god. They actually worshiped idol Aphrodite there. It was considered the sexual capital of the ancient world, almost like Vegas is a good way to describe it. Um, there were thousands of prostitutes there. So people would go to Corinth, and that would be, it would just be like, uh, it, was just, it was just not, a, not a, a healthy culture. But here we have this church of people trying to figure out how do we live for Jesus even though we live in Corinth. That's the hard thing is some of you guys, it's like you want to live for Jesus, but our culture doesn't make it easy for you to honor him when it comes to your purity, when it comes to the area of sex. It is thrown at you. It's different for you in college than it even was for me. We didn't have apps that could make sex available at the swipe of a finger. We didn't have that. We had to poke on Facebook. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul Paul said, when he's trying to encourage this church, he says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in scripture, two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment or intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That kind of sex can never become one. There is a sense of which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies that, like we said before, we're trying to present to God as a living and holy sacrifice. Uh, These bodies were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Paul's not saying that sex is bad. He is just warning against the misuse of sex. And what's so cool is that God invented sex. Isn't that awesome? Like God is very creative. He's done a lot of things. He could have created lots of different ways for procreation to happen, yet he chose sex. That was the way at which he chose for this to happen, to to bring about the union of man and and, and a woman and marriage and that covenant. And it's so amazing that he created it. Yet so many times we don't understand that if he created, that also might mean that he has the best instructions for how to use it properly. Do you know what I'm saying? So, So even though he created it, even though culture has ways they want to present it or ways they want to show it being used and modeled it, God gets the final say on how to use it best because he's the source of it. He made it for us. He gave it to us. And he gave it to us for marriage. And the reason that sex is so powerful, it's so much more than like, what uh, just pages on scripture there's 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 physiological fact to the power of of God's design in sex what i mean by that is is the reason sex is so is so pleasurable is because it triggers the releases of, of chemicals in your brain dopamine oxytocin like that is literally the physiology that's happening in sex in, you, in, in that system of sex. So literally, that, that, that same emotion, that those same feelings, those same chemicals are the same chemicals that are, that, are, that are used to produce bonds. Like the same chemicals that a mom experiences when she's holding her baby for the first time, her newborn baby, that same chemical release that's God designed to create bond between mother and child, that same bond is what's released when we have sex. 
It's why God's designed it that way is that so, so not only can you enjoy sex, but you will be so committed to each other. You'll be so connected to each other. You'll be so tied to each other for the rest of your life. That's what's so beautiful about it. Uh, and that's why there's so much pain with it because it's so powerful. Uh, it can be addictive. Some of you guys know this. Some of you girls know this with, with, with pornography and, and other areas. Like it has addictive tendencies because it, 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 almost, it almost creates this, this chemical high, this, this release. And what happens is the reason it becomes addictive is the more that we experience it, the harder it becomes to, to not want it, to say no. And I'm not, I'm not bringing this up just because I'm a pastor and I want you to all feel bad about it. That's not, that's not where I'm going with this. I just want you to understand why God in his goodness created sex, but he, he also designed it for us to wait for marriage. Like there's a reason for it. There's a goodness to it. And, and in John chapter 10, verse 10, I love this verse. Jesus is explaining um, just his plans for people. He talks about the thief. He talks about the thief and he describes Satan as a thief. Um, as a thief, Satan has been trying to steal glory from God since the beginning of time. And, and the reason that the enemy uses sex and uses pain and frustration in relationships so often is because I believe that there is not a greater institution. There's not a greater thing that you'll do in your life. There's not a greater image of the love of God, the goodness of God, than a marriage that's dedicated to God. There's nothing like it. Um, it's powerful. Some of you, you have homes of, of, of parents that just modeled a healthy marriage. You just wish to have the kind of marriage that your parents had. Like, that's powerful. It's their, it's their marriage. It's their dedication that has given you a sense of security, something to aim for, some vision to have for your life. God can use it in such a powerful way. Just like he can use singleness, he can use marriage for his glory. And, and because of that, the enemy, he wants to thwart and stop anything that gives God glory. So he's come to steal. He wants to steal your confidence. He wants to steal... Uh, your, your, your purity. He wants to steal your, your confidence in approaching God. He wants to destroy your relationships. So that's what he comes to do. But Jesus says, but I have come that, that you might have life and have it to the full, have life to the full. That, that word life in the Greek in this particular text is the word zoe life, which means abundant life, full life, life that's not lacking anything. And the reason I think you need to understand that is as Satan creates a picture of what you really want in life, but it can't compare it to what God really has to offer you. So when Jesus says, I come to have you a full life, you need to understand that there is no lack in that. He's not withholding from you. He's not trying to take away your fun. Um, the reason that he, he says this is because God, in his goodness, God forbids anything only for the fact that he forbids things in our life if there's no life in it, if there's no health in it. Anything God commands, he commands because there is life in it. And that's why Jesus is encouraging us to save sex for marriage. So, so if that's your aim, and what's so good about God is that you can make this decision to try to do it anytime. It's not, it's not like his grace can't handle where you've been, but right now, if you're saying, all right, Garrett, all right, from, from, from this day forward, I wanna try to have a pure relationship, or if I'm single and I get into a relationship, I wanna do it in a way that honors God, here are just some tips I would encourage you with. Uh, one is just to limit alone time. Limit alone time. Uh, I know you can get to know each other in groups, but you can get to know each other. But I think the, the more alone time you have, the, the more chemical, other chemicals kick in. Another tip would be to stay vertical when you are alone. Like stay, stay vertical, you know. Just less bad things can happen when you're upright. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I would avoid late nights. Like 
you could have like a rule like no Netflix past nine. Like it's just, uh, I'll just be honest with you, our, our ability to make wise decisions, it, 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 it often goes out the window at 10 o'clock. And then um, another one is sleep at your house. Just sleep at your house. I know you're like, well, I got to, it's gas money, you know, figure it out, you know, just, just sleep at your house. Uh, it'll, it'll help you. It'll save you a whole lot of pain and, and, and regret. And the last point, and the worship team is going to come up here in a second, um, is just to watch for the signs. While you're dating, while you're traveling down this path, it's just to watch for the signs. Um, there are signs. I, I make this drive from Fayetteville to Conway a lot just because we have stuff that's going on here. And um, I, it's a really boring drive. I just get tired of making that drive. So sometimes to pass the time, uh, my family will play that. Uh, I don't know if you ever played this, the billboard game where you have to like look for letters on the billboard. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I'm going to beat you kids, so I may, I may wreck this van in doing so, but I'm going to win this game, you know, like, so we're, we're trying to find the letters instead of watching the road, so you're looking out for all the signs. Uh, I think in dating, it's easy for us to miss the signs that are, are right in front of us sometimes, and there are signs, some, some signs that you should look for. I just want to encourage you with, there are, there are faith signs, like just, like, there's signs about someone's faith, like when you're with someone, you're getting to know them. Are they spiritually in a place where you, you feel connected? Like, do you feel like you can see God working in their life? Do they, do they, do they follow conviction? Does their faith, not, not, not are they perfect, not do they have it all figured out, but are, is their faith heading in a direction that I want to go? There's also family signs. What does family look like for them? Like, you realize if you're dating someone and, like, you hate their family and you hate their parents, like, there's, like, Thanksgiving, and there's like Christmas and like that stuff happens. Like you got to think, can I, can I see myself a part of this family? Uh, there are financial signs. Like before God gave Adam Eve, Adam had a job. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you, do you feel like this person that you're with is their financial stability? How do they view money? I remember when me and Megan were dating, uh, I had this like nervous, like, like the last thing that I feel like we had to resolve before I could go buy a ring was the fact that my wife, she was a, uh, she was a doctor's kid. Like her dad is a surgeon and I want to be a pastor. So I was just thinking about this. I was like, all right, so your dad's a surgeon and I'm a pastor. And like, uh, this isn't going to be that spiritual just to warn you. It's just a story. But uh, so you grew up and you're like going to vacation in Europe and stuff. And like, I'm a pastor, like, we may be going to Branson and stuff, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, have you thought about that? Like, is that going to be cool? Like, have you thought about, have you thought this through? I'm going to be a pastor. Like, do you know what pastors make? Like, uh, and she was like, we were driving over from a date and she was like, I've thought about all that. And yeah, I've had a blessed life and I've had a lot of things, but I don't need any of those things. Like I've thought about this and I, I was ready to wife her up right then. Uh, and it's been cool because we've been married 11 years and she, she's had that heart to sacrifice for what we do, sacrifice for the, for the kingdom of God. And uh, so look for that. Look for those signs. Look for future signs. Do you, not, not, not date potential, but do you see yourself in that person? Do you, do you like the trajectory of that person, where they're going? Do you see, do you have similar dreams for the future? Do you want the same things? Uh, because if you ignore the signs and you end up in a place that you don't want to be, you can't blame anybody else down the road if you're in a relationship and you're like, I just, this isn't who I thought I would be with and you're not happy. Like you're married. You can't wonder if they're the one because they're, they are your one now. You said, yes, you made a covenant with that person.
So instead of blaming someone or thinking the grass is greener, you gotta, I would just encourage you, look at the signs now. Don't ignore them. Don't look past them. Look at the signs. Listen to them. And uh, last, last thought before we close, before we pray, is there was a movie uh, when I was in college, and it's kind of like an emo movie. Some of you have maybe never heard of it. It was called Perks of Being a, a Wallflower. Anybody heard that movie? But there was, all I remember from that movie was this quote, and it, it went something like, we accept the love that we think we deserve. We accept the love we think we deserve, and I don't know, that's not in the Bible necessarily, but I think it's true. I think it's, it's true that when it comes to this area, so many of us, we are thinking about our relationships in terms of what we deserve, what we feel like we should have, what we feel like we're worth. So sometimes we tend to limit our, 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 our dreams, our visions, what we wanna have for our future based on the, the, the sense of worth that we attribute to ourselves. But the cool thing is no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you don't get to decide your worth. God already has. He said it this way in Ephesians chapter three, verse 18, he says, Paul says, I pray that you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. God's working in you. You may not be where you wanna be. You may not, be, you may not have arrived yet, but he's working at you. You, you're, you may not be where you wanna be, but you're not where you were. He's at work in you. He loves you. To him be the glory in the church in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. I just want you to know that God, he loves you so much. We were just singing about the reckless love of God and, and you just need to understand that when it comes to relationships, like you have no idea what God has for you. You have no idea what he can have for you. I, I, I am married to my best friend. And if I would have made a little list of all the things that I hoped I'd wanted, it, would, it wouldn't compare to Megan. Because God knows what I need more than I know what I need. And God has always provided for me, just like he's always gonna provide for you. He knows your weaknesses, he knows your strengths. And I'm, I don't know each one of you, but I, I, I wanna encourage you in this season to trust him. Trust his love for you. Trust what he wants to do for you. And then anything that might come around that may be a distraction, I pray that you just see it for what it is. That you don't need another person, you don't need a dating relationship to fulfill you because you already have that by God. And, when, and hopefully my prayer for you is that you'll find another person, whether it's a guy or a girl, that doesn't need you either. They're running after Christ. They're seeking him. Their confidence is in him. And because they get what they need from God, they're free and able to serve you out of that love. And two people like that, they can do some amazing things for the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads? I just want to pray for you.